Good morning. This morning's scripture reading is from Colossians, starting at verse, chapter 1, verse 24, through to chapter 2, verse 5. Now I rejoice in what, am I, what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and all those at Lay Cedar and for all those who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. This is the word of the Lord. Now, often when we're in a letter and looking at it, we get to a place where all of a sudden it becomes uber personal. Uh, it gets to a place where all of a sudden Paul or Peter or the writer of that epistle or that letter to that particular church begins to speak in that first person. And so it reminds us as we are delving into this library here that is the Bible that has 66 books full of all sorts of different genres, history and poetry and prophecy, that there's personal letters that we get to read here. It reminds us that when we dig into this passage that is the Word of God, that it is coming to us, able to change and move and direct us, that God gives it its power so that we can see Jesus most clearly. And in seeing Jesus then, as we learned last week, we see God because the fullness of God is found in Christ Jesus. But there are moments when we get into these letters that we go, oh, that's right. This isn't some theological tome. This isn't some how-to-be-a-Christian book. This actually is a personal letter written to a group of churches at a specific time for a specific reason in a specific space. And we see that happening here as Paul, who's just reminded them who Jesus is, how great and magnificent, and who we worship and call our own. He then says in the chapter, verse just before uh, that I, Paul, became a minister of this Jesus. And then it's almost like he wants to remind them of who he is and what he's been doing. And so he says, now I rejoice in my afflictions. I am strenuous in my labor for you. 
am doing these things for you. And so as we dig deep into this, we recognize that the body of Christ is filled with those who are walking together, encouraging each other, working with one another in order to take them to Christ. And he also reminds us that it's not easy to do. Notice here, real quickly, he says this. Now, I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. And then later on, he says, I am strenuously contending with all the energy that Christ gives me. And then in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, know how hard I am contending for you. So the first thing that I think I want to take from this as a reminder, and I want to encourage you in hearing this, is that as we walk with Christ and who he is, it's not always easy. And in particularly, when we walk with Christ together, it can become difficult. That we need to rely on the energy that Christ gives us. That Christ empowers us. That's the great line there. I, to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. It's a good reminder to us in this very personal part of this letter that Paul is saying, I'm working for you for an ultimate end. I'm walking along with you for a reason and a purpose. But in doing that, it is taking a lot of my energy, a lot of my uh, gumption. It's taking all that I have almost to walk with you in this way. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. Hanging out with other Christians can be fun. Hanging out together as the body can be awesome. There are times that we get to enjoy each other's company and, and we can laugh and, and we can sing and, and we can celebrate and we can have good food. But that's not all that the Christian life is. There are times as we walk along with one another that it's going to be hard work. That, that we have to walk into areas that we're uncomfortable walking into. That there are places that we might have to say to somebody or hear somebody say to us, I don't think you're walking the right path. I think you've forgotten your first love, who is Jesus Christ. I think you've put something and elevated something higher than what you should be elevating. And it's hard in two ways. <laughs> One, it's hard to be the giver of that news. It's hard because you're frightened that you might fracture that relationship. It's, it's hard because you, you feel like, do I have the position or the place to do that? Because if they only saw my heart and mind, what would they do? So it's hard for us to step in. But here Paul says, it's not through my own strength. It is through the energy that Christ gives to me that I'm able to do it. And also notice that he's not coming at them saying, you bad, bad, bad people. He's coming and saying, God is working in you. And there's a place that he's taking you to. And I am strenuously working along with you to that place. But it's also hard for us to be the ones that hear it and receive it. 
I'm sure there were some folks in the church in Colossae and Laodicea as they heard Paul writing this to them, thought to themselves, yeah, but we got it figured out. You don't, you don't need to walk along with us in that way, Paul. There's a place for us that we have to admit that we don't have it all figured out. There's a place where we have to admit we are far off sometimes in our relationship with God. There's a, a place where we have to go, I've let something else become primary in my heart, when instead, Christ should be primary in my heart. And so right off the bat, as we jump into this very personal part of this letter, Paul in it encourages us and reminds us that as followers of Jesus Christ, it is hard work together. We shouldn't fool ourselves. However, there's that great promise that I do it with the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So where does that energy come from? What is this idea that Christ is there and working? Well, we recognize that in the mystery that is revealed to us. Go back up there and you see, I've become a servant by the commission of God gave to me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, he's calling everybody in, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. When we recognize that it is not about a doctrine, that it's not about teaching, that it's not about uh, whether or not we're doing the right things and actions, that it's actually about Christ in us. The Christ that we just talked about last week, that is the image of the invisible God that holds all things within himself and keeps all things going and is in fact the goal of all things, that that Christ is in us moving, animating, causing us to have our lives. That's the mystery that God has revealed. Now we shouldn't grab hold of that word mystery in some way of thinking that God's not wanting everyone to know this and so I'm going to hide this. That's, that's not what he's saying there. It really sort of goes back to an understanding not of the sort of cultic way of mystery, but, but the way that the Israelites kind of saw mystery. Because remember, Jesus and Paul were Israelites. <laughs> and, and what it is, is that more understanding of a sense of hope that now God is truly and completely fulfilling and showing forth his plan and promises. That the mystery was there because it had not yet been fulfilled. Right? That there were glimpses and bits and pieces of that mystery that were being shown all throughout the Old Testament. But then when Jesus shows up, he's able to fulfill all of what God's promises are. He's able to fulfill all of what God's precedents are. He's able to fulfill all of what God's purposes are. And then in Jesus, it is completely revealed to us. And even more so, it is revealed to us because we are then placed in Christ and Christ in us. It's this sort of holistic idea. Paul goes on to say this. I'm going to proclaim and admonish and teach everyone in all wisdom so that you may present, be presented everyone fully mature in Christ. That it is by knowing that we, our growth is in Christ that it's by what he is doing that we move on. 
Spurgeon, who's this famous pastor, said this when he was looking at this passage. He says, if you've left out Christ, then there is no manna from heaven, no water from the rock, no refuge from the storm, no healing for the sick, no life for the dead. If you leave out Christ, you've left out the sun out of the day and the moon out of the night. You've left out the waters out of the sea and the floods out of the river. You've left out the harvest out of the year and the soul out of the body. You've left out joy out of heaven. Yea, you've robbed all of its all. There is no gospel worth thinking of, much less worth proclaiming in Jehovah's name if Jesus be forgotten. We must have Jesus then as the Alpha and Omega in all of our life and endeavor. He says to them that I want to grow you up in this mystery, and this mystery is that Jesus is all and all for you. I want you to learn of him and how he lived and moved. I want it to become more to you than just an ideal, but become the person who is your being, in fact. And so I will work hard with you, encouraging you, walking along with you, struggling and suffering to bring you into completion or maturity. He tells them that he's doing this for one reason, so that they now know the mystery, which is Christ in them. My goal, he says, is that you may be encouraged in heart and united in love. The ESV version says knitted together in love so that you may know the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Here's the beauty of a called together people. A a gathering of such, of ragamuffins and weirdos who have been captured by God's great, amazing, steadfast love. The beauty is that we get to know about who Jesus is. We get to experience all of who Christ is as we live life together, being knitted together deeply in the knowledge of God's steadfast love for us. That it's because of that steadfast love that sent Jesus to be the full expression of who he was and is, that we then walk in that because our placement is in Christ. And being moved into Christ, we can't help but exude that love to one another and to receive that love from one another. So we are made perfect in that love as we grow united. That's the reason why in the confession we talked about the fact that oftentimes we can see people as nuisances, our obligations. Instead of the gift that God has given to us in order for us, what? To know who Jesus is. Imagine what your life would be like and how different it might be in your relationships. If you began to allow Holy Spirit guide you to the place where in your eyes and in your mind and in your heart, we begin to see others as a gift that God has given to us in order for us to grow deeper in our knowledge of Christ. Yes, there are some people in our life who will abuse us and they'll take advantage of that because they're not walking with Christ because they have elevated themselves onto their own throne of their heart. 
And so in those moments, we need others who have allowed Christ to sit in their throne of their heart to walk with us, to give us the comfort that is only found in Christ. The courage to speak truth that is only found in Christ. But we also then have others that will walk with us in Christ with their deep love and compassion who will not let us walk away, who will not let us stray, who will keep us growing towards maturity and perfection in Christ. And the reminder from last week is this. Remember, our past doesn't define who we are. Our present is taken care of in Christ, and our future is sure because of what God is doing and taking us to. And so we can rest and be knitted together in this love. It's okay. I know I'll keep annoying you. But hopefully your love through Christ will be sufficient to deal with that annoyance. It's okay. You'll keep annoying me. But in Christ, that annoyance is not enough to separate the love that God has knitted us together in. And so we recognize that there's great mystery is unfolded so that we will be united deeply in love, being made perfect. Why do we need to be made perfect in our understanding, knowing the mystery of God, which is Christ? Why? Because of this, verse 4. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding fine arguments. In a couple of weeks, we're going to delve a little bit deeper into this. So this is just a little prelude. We need to be knitted together in the depths and knowledge of God's love for us and our love for each other that is in Christ because there are things that are in the world and things that are within our own hearts that cry out to us and they sound like fine arguments against submitting to God's love. They sound really great and they seem to have the air of wisdom. They seem to have the air of enlightenment. But Paul very quickly here is doing something. He's undercutting what most of these fine-sounding arguments are about. Because what Paul says here over and over again is I'm doing this so that all will know Christ. I'm doing this so that all will be built up into maturity. I'm revealing the mystery of God so that all who know the mystery of God will be lifted up. I don't want to hide it. But these fine-sounding arguments sometimes are be about the special people who understand. And so we have to be careful when we walk in this way that we align ourselves. If it is springing from Christ, who reveals God completely, being confirmed by those that we're walking with, who are in Christ, then we can go, is this of Jesus, who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end? And if not, then we need to go, is this something that I can bring along because it's not going to hinder or hurt? Or is this something that is actually going to become preeminent in my heart and I need to get away from it? Look, there's lots of things. And like I said, in a couple of weeks, we'll talk about some of those things. But you can probably, over the next few weeks, think about things that are in your own heart that take preeminence. That you, in your own ability, come up with fine-sounding arguments of why 
They make you closer to God when in fact they're taking you further away. But the beauty of this is that we know, and he is telling us here, Paul, again, that the mystery that's been revealed is what? Not that you know about Christ. Not that you've got good ideas about Christ, but that you are in Christ. And so even when we struggle with these fine-sounding arguments that might try and rip us away, God grabs hold tightly beyond all belief and holds us tight to himself and says, I will not let you go. Maybe a good way to put this is when we were looking at the passage last week about the magnificence of Jesus Christ, it reminds us of the quote of Abraham Kuyper that says, God looks at all of creation, all of the world, and he says out loud, mine, that it all belongs to God. But even more so in Christ for us, is not only does God look at all of the world and all of creation and say, mine, in Christ, where we have been placed, he looks at us and he says, mine. More so, he says, and I am your home. And so, we enter into this personal letter from Paul, who he reminds these two groups of people, I'm contending for you. But in doing that, he reveals to us the most holy thing. That we are in Christ. He is our all in all. And he is our home. Let me pray. Father, let these words be your words. And if they're not your words, let them burn up and go away. But if they are your words, let them take root in our own hearts so that you will receive glory and honor and praise. Let us be knitted together one with another in the depths and knowledge of your love for us revealed in Jesus Christ. It's in your holy name we pray, Jesus. Amen. While we stand and sing in response.